0: From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast.
1: and welcome back to the worthless servants podcast it is so great to be back with you we have enjoyed the last couple weeks and now we are ready to talk with you again and uh got some topics that are really interesting uh but first i need to introduce everybody kind of change things up across from me emily armstrong hey everyone to her right aj fry hey guys to my left for all of you that are keeping track nata franco hi guys And to my right, Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea.
2: Fun fact, the UN estimates that there are over 3 million shipwrecks on the ocean floor.
0: 3 million? Wow. What? That's a lot of pirate treasure.
3: (laughs) AJ immediately goes to pirates (laughs) with shipwrecks.
1: I I, I give him props for that. That's amazing.
3: (laughs) The question is, how old are they? Like 3 million, that's, that's got to be from hundreds, if not thousands of years yeah. of history. That's
2: a lot of it ocean. says that some of them were lost, so who knows what's on oh, those. Bermuda some Triangle. of them were destroyed, <laughs> and some were deliberately sunk. Hmm. Um, and it does say that treasure hunters like to search them out.
0: Well, Yeah. <laughs> is there like a treasure hunters guild or something that I can do? I'd do that.
2: This is not the Mandalorian. Oh,
1: Well, even the undertaking of, of doing that, like, Oh, this is my hobby going out in the middle yeah. of the ocean and just, Trying to find nah, I don't know about that.
0: Awesome. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile awesome. AJ says awesome. I'm like ah, Meanwhile, sounds-
2: a giant squid eats AJ. <laughs> hey,
0: it's all it's all part of the process.
1: Exactly. <laughs> there are certain times where the fun fact has no segue, has nothing to do with the topic at hand. And I can't find one. So
2: giant squids have
1: keys.
0: They don't (laughs) sunken ships probably have keys (laughs) to their treasure. (laughs) treasure. (laughs) Thank you. AJ You're
1: more brilliant than I am. So with that key, I am going to, (laughs) I am going to open a, no, this is terrible. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So we are going to talk about leadership today. Now we've talked about leadership in the past on different episodes, but specifically the title of this episode is key chain leadership. Leadership. Keychain leadership. You're probably saying, what is that? We're a podcast that deals with missions, that deals with healthy church, many other components, of course. And so can anyone just tell us kind of what is keychain leadership?
2: Well, simply put, it is investing in others, but the analogy is, um, I'm actually going to tell you a story to tell you what this means here in the Dominican Republic on our campground, we have a groundskeeper. And he has a keychain. He's key the ch- groundskeeper. He's the groundskeeper. He has a keychain with, I've never counted, but I would estimate 1,000 keys on it. At least. <laughs> One, 1 keyring
0: with
3: 1,000 <laughs> keys. It's it a takes run. him forever to walk even 10 you, steps. <laughs>
0: you think she's joking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> AJ's, AJ's asked to hold it, and he won't let him. Oh, my goodness. Um, He's worried about his back, but, (laughs) um, on there are all these keys that go to different buildings and different things. And so as the key chain holder, he is responsible for taking the keys when people need them in the office. He walks to the office and gives the key to the office person or, um, the front gate or the library or whatever the case may be. He is the keeper of the keys,
0: the guardian of the keys.
2: That was fun. Um, so the idea is, as a keychain leader, that we would be able to give the key away to someone else in order to lead a ministry. So the keeper of the keys has enough confidence and trust in others, invest in them with leadership to take a key.
1: Yeah, so the idea actually comes from Fuller Youth Institute's investigation, and I was a part of a training really several months ago where i started to understand this concept but they investigated into churches that are growing young that's what they've termed it and uh churches growing young you might say well that's interesting which ones they investigated with so many churches all over and uh, uh sadly uh, a small percentage of them are the ones that are truly renovating and that have generations that continuously Come through, and they not just are ministering to youth, but are ministering with youth, and even youth are the ones ministering in and to the congregation. And so, very few congregations that are like that. But they determined which ones were like that, and then they dove into exactly what were the traits that caused them to be able to do that. Right. So I, I think we're we're all on the same page. So here we're here were the four types of leaders that they discovered, right? And that last group uh, was the ones that were doing this effectively. The first group that they discovered of churches or leaders without keys, all right, We're, we're using this analogy. So they don't have much vision. They don't have much authority. We've seen, certain leaders that are like that the second type were key collectors so you just collect (laughs) keys so you don't really share your responsibilities we have perhaps been that way or seen leadership like that third type lenders of keys right so we've got no keys collectors of keys lenders of keys Mm -hmm. this one was really interesting this is like i believe in you until you fail Mm -hmm. i'm giving you this key and then I'm taking it away as soon as something bad happens. And then the final one, which we, we talked about the effective ones, the churches that are doing this, the best are key distributors. They, they are capable of sharing responsibilities and their leadership with trust in a new generation. So that's the idea of a keychain leader, right? And they said to be a church that is growing young, you must have an environment, a culture of keychain leadership. Okay, any questions on that or comments?
3: A comment that I have, even as you're explaining it, is um, thinking about Chelsea's example of this guy on this campus that's got a billion keys, you know, a thousand I've already exaggerated <laughs> apparently what it is, but like one of the buildings that she said was the library and even hearing you talk about it. So like, let's take this guy. He's obviously not the, he's not the leader without keys. We've are, we know that he's got a thousand keys. So he's at least got some vision or authority or something, but he seems to be a key collector because he's not sharing his responsibilities. Like everybody has to find him in order to get into their buildings. But if he really believed in the librarian He would give his key to the librarian and say, hey, I believe in you. And then the librarian opens the library every single day when he or she gets there. But the minute that he or she forgets to lock it one time at night, he's like, oh, I knew I couldn't trust you, you know, and like takes the key back. But then the key distributor would be literally the giving the key to the librarian and maybe even calling them in the afternoon and be like, what time are you going to lock up? You know, just to give the one little thing for a week or two. And then when you know that they're locking up every single night, then it's like, you just trust that the librarian has the key and that key never comes back onto the key ring of the key keeper, you know? So yeah, but it was interesting to hear you say that thinking through the real life example of what Chelsea gave us. I think it makes it a little bit easier to think about, you know, handing off authority and what we typically do with our leadership or authority, if we're in leadership ourselves.
0: I feel like this is a really great analogy for especially the Dominican uh, culture because it seems like whichever, we've moved houses twice since we've been here. And it seems like wh- whoever is in charge of those houses, they have a bunch of keys to the, all the... Every door has its own key. That was, That's what blows my mind. So to get in the front door, it's a different key to get in the back door. To get in the screen door of the front door, it's a different key. So you got to have like five keys just to get into your house, right?
3: <laughs> there's no master key. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> so true. Yeah. Not really. is like, that's, yep. true. that's true. Yeah. So there's all these keys. And we were in charge of construction for a while on the campus where our friend... Milvio works, the guy with the thousand keys, <laughs> and uh, for the first couple years, like I had to go to him for everything. Like if I wanted this this building open, if I wanted the workshop opened, uh, he'd have to come to the campus if he wasn't on campus and unlock this building. And then he would leave. And then when I wanted it, usually it's a padlock so I could close it and lock it when I left. But if it was a door like to the library we were talking about, he actually had to come back and lock the door when I left. And so as Pretty inconvenient for me because the library was actually one of the projects that we were working on but i remember the day that he gave me mm-hmm. the keys to the library and i just felt like that advanced our friendship a whole lot because i felt like he trusted me not only to not mess up the project mm-hmm. <laughs> right but to actually improve on the library and so i think taking this analogy from that he literally trusted me with the actual key right mm-hmm. and if we as leaders are to trust people We need to trust them give them the key and trust them not only to not mess things up but that they have a vision from god to improve things Mm. just the keychain analogy and being in this culture just really connects with me
1: fuller said that there are different ideas for developing yourself into a keychain leader this isn't obviously these churches had a culture of this but there were some leaders that had worked on that culture and so how can we become keychain leaders well one thing they said is be vulnerable, be vulnerable, be, be authentic. The other thing, identify who is ready to receive the keys. Not every, we're not just saying just start throwing out keys and just, these are responsibilities. We understand mm-hmm. that these are key ministries, but there are people that are ready. To receive those and, and maybe we won't get into it now but they even have have made notes on who as as young people would be ready to possibly receive some ministries or be in positions of leadership and then a last one that i thought really grabbed my attention was allow young people to make their own keys and open new doors what mm. they're saying is new ideas new programs aj you just mentioned they could even be better. Like some of us in leadership are like, how could it be better than what I'm doing? You know? And we certainly almost err on the side of, I think they're probably going to mess it up, but literally we're not asking them to just maintain. We're saying giving them this power or this leadership, we recognize they could probably take this to the next level. Mm -hmm. They could maybe do this even better than us. And so I thought that was amazing.
4: I think that's really important. Um, and I can say it's important to rely on their potential, letting go of like the full control, as we were saying before, like be flexible with them and to let them participate, allow, allowing them to give the ideas, as you said. Um, even if those ideas, like you don't like them too much, if you work with them, with those ideas, like it can give you something unexpected. And I have a story about that. So last year during the pandemic, I got a keychain as a youth leader in my local church. Mm-hmm. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> now, now, are you talking literally or metaphorically? Literally, oh, okay.
3: a yeah. gift. They handed you a gift, and yes. it was a keychain, a yavero. Exactly, a mm-hmm. exactly. Nice.
4: Mm-hmm. So um, I was afraid, and we start we started all over with everything, and I didn't want to do everything like by my own. So I asked the youth what do you want to see like mm. with our reunions with our services and this little beautiful girl <laughs> she was like i want tiktok i want a tiktok service mm. i was like how mm-hmm. am i going to tell her no like i cannot say <laughs> no to her <laughs> like mm-hmm. but she, like i was working with her okay but let me know what do you want to do with this and we 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 were working together she's 12 year old. <laughs> and uh we made a TikTok service. Wow. And even the pastor got involved with that. We got a TikTok <laughs> competition. <Wow. laughs> I gotta gotta see, that. see that. It was <laughs> awesome. Wow. Cuz I know your pastor. <laughs> uh, so everybody made a TikTok video. Of something like, how can you get another person with a TikTok video? Mm-hmm. And we had a TikTok competition and it was awesome. And awesome. like everybody enjoyed that. So at the beginning, I didn't like that idea, but it was something new. And mm. you know, she was like encouraging to continue, like yeah. to keep, you know, sharing with us her ideas. So it was awesome. And after that, I gave her one little key mm-hmm. to take the control of one of the services. Yeah. So I think that's something we can do to trust them.
0: I don't know, the, the word humility just keeps coming back to mind in this because I think humility is such a big key, uh, see what I did there? Uh, I see did it there. <laughs> it's such a big key element to this, to leadership. And that may seem kind of counter cultural to a lot of people in leadership positions, but especially this, if you're gonna give over your keys, if you're gonna give over your responsibilities or a certain ministry, you have to have the humility to be able to say, okay, it's not under my control anymore. So what they do, whether they fail, if they fail miserably, like you still have to let them let them fail. Because we, as human beings, we often learn our best lessons when we fail, right? so if you if you expect them to like knock it out of the park a hundred percent the the first time you do it, like give it give this responsibility to them, that's kind of an unfair expectation, you know and so you give them the key, you give them this responsibility, you give them certain control over this ministry, for example, right, but then also be there to help teach them when they fail, right and like like Natalie was saying. Like, let them change a piece of it. Maybe you don't like their idea, but that's a part of humility. Like, you have to be humble enough to say, okay, not what I was thinking, but it could work. And it worked out great, you Amazing. know? Mm-hmm. So...
3: Yeah, that uh, reminds me. And man, I wish I could remember where I heard this example. I hate not being able to credit sources. So if you listen to the same podcasts I do, which are one of about thirty, um, I just can't remember where I heard it. But AJ, listening to you speak, and I've sh- I've shared this with you and Chelsea before, but it's so appropriate. Uh, there was a um, a well known pastor now was being interviewed, and he was talking about when he was a young person in his own congregation and um, African American congregation. And he said, you know that I was a 16 year old and preaching my very first sermon. So the way that their congregation would sit is all of the elders would sit up front in the first two, three, four rows and he specifically said that he remembered that there were some of the elderly ladies of the congregation and so they knew when their young people were getting up there to preach a sermon that they weren't probably the most theologically sound. They didn't have a ton of life experience behind it and he said that whenever a young person, especially him, would start to like veer off a theological track of being, of being something that would be like heresy or no, that's not what we believe that the ladies in the front congregation say, help him, Jesus, help him, (laughs) Jesus. And he was saying it as a, as a funny um, example of like the way that we as the church can create these spaces for young people to fail. This church knew we're creating this space, but it's a safe place. It's a safe place that you can come. You can start preaching. You can start learning the word of God. You have something to offer to us as a young person, but there are going to be things that we as 60, 70, 80 year olds that have been walking with Christ for many, many years have to speak into your life as well. And I just thought it was such a cool like cross section of how we can work together in this keychain leadership that there were plenty of people obviously sitting right there in the second, third and fourth rows that could be up there preaching, but they literally said, because we believe in the next generation, because we want to have solid theologically based pastors of our congregation that they found this way to work it together. So I just, I just love thinking about how, how God has given us those opportunities, but how more often than not, we're not going to put somebody up on the stage until they've been able to prove themselves. And Mm. then all of a sudden we're only putting on the stage, the 35 year old or the 40 year old, you know, it's like, where do people start to learn anything nowadays? And I think that's part of keychain leadership.
1: Absolutely. So let's transition a little bit. How do you think, how do we think the church is doing? right now at investing in and trusting the next generation. Like we can be honest, but hopefully there are some good examples with the with the bad examples too.
2: I think there's a lot of area for growth. I think the church has a tendency to desire what looks good on Sunday morning. And we have to be okay with, if we're going to invest in this younger generation or even in inexperienced leadership, we have to be okay with not picture perfect. The way that I've seen this done well, and we've mentioned this example like a thousand times on this podcast, but there's a pastor here in the Dominican Republic, Ernesto Barthermi, and he, annually, he has a children's revival, and that is not a revival for children. I mean, it is, but it is actually a revival done by children, and so they have a child preacher, they have the child worship band, and like eight-year-olds, 12-year-olds, so... It's probably not the prettiest service, um, but it is empowering them. And I have interacted with um, one of the, the kids that got to preach. He's now a teenager. But the amount of empowerment that he felt from his church body standing behind him, allowing him to preach has impacted him to this day. He knows the word of God and he was encouraged to continue seeking out the word of God because he was affirmed in that preaching call. And again, it's not going to be pretty. There's going to be a lot of. I even think of uh, one time we were at at the church that you guys helped plant Pantoja, Scott and Emily, uh, and you had a you had a teen get up and preach, and the whole time it was like. Nah. <laughs> for for that person or for you <laughs> no for them they were oh, like yeah. mumbling kind of the whole time and they were <laughs> really nervous but like how cool was it that he got to stand up there and share the word of god with his congregation which should be a safe place for him mm-hmm. and feel supported in that and explore maybe he's not called to preach but he wouldn't know unless he tried yeah mm-hmm. so I can think of
3: um, just a lot of examples that um, I think about how Milton Gay has given Odili such a huge platform. I don't know if... um, if anybody that listens to the English podcast knows who Odile is but she was just I mean a young person I don't even know how old she is now but she the things that she is doing uh, the confidence that he's placed in her to to be doing entire educational platforms for youth ministry type classes um, I think that's really awesome to see how he's really empowered her to be the leader that she is I think about people like um, think about people like Freya I think about people like Natalie just even like being on this podcast I remember freya turned us down the first time because she's like my english isn't good enough and we were like no you can do it And natalie had the same thing like my english isn't good enough and like i sit here and look at it and how god used Freya's English, literally, to open the door for the next step for her. And um, she was seen because she was a bilingual person that had a missionary call. And I see those types of things happening. I see how we've got even regional coordinators. I think of Dariana, uh, who's regionally coordinating compassionate ministry. She's younger than I am. I don't know quite how old she is. Esteban, her husband, is the regional coordinator of communications for the entire Mesoamerica region. Like, I think our region has, like, this – amazing bed of youth that just want to serve the Lord. I felt that we've lived here for 17 years, 17 and a half years now. And I always tell people I am so impressed about the young people that say yes to God's call. And I think as a church that we would see explosion in our church if everybody started to take on those same type of of using these types of things, of seeing the people that have potential, the people that God has placed gifting in and give them opportunities to practice leadership because we have so many amazing young people and even children that you can already see like this girl that's only 12 you know like for a 12 year old natalie to come up to you and say i want to do something for the church like that is gifting that's something that god has placed in her and you have you've allowed her to be a part of what god's doing and it would have been so easy for you to be like I think that's a terrible idea and, and, or I don't know how to do it. So I'm not going to even figure it out myself, but you didn't, you allowed God to maybe check your spirit and you allowed her to see something that she had to give to the kingdom. And that 12 year old, I would encourage you now as a leader in your church, keep your eyes on her. Because in the next three to five years god's going to continue to call her god's going to continue to say but the world's going to say you can't do it and there's going to be leaders that say well you weren't educated enough you're not prepared enough and it's going to be natalie that says oh no you are remember when we've done these things remember when we've done these things let's keep pushing forward and all it takes is one leader that wants to be one of these keychain leaders to really change somebody's life and i think all of us sitting here around this table have had those people in our lives and that's why That's why I get emotional when I think about it, because there is nobody in a leadership position today that got there by themselves. It's because somebody invested in them. It's because somebody saw potential in them and said, you know what? I believe in you. I believe that God's called you to do something amazing and I want to be a part of what God's doing in your life. So let's come alongside together.
1: I think that's excellent, Emily. And maybe we can just end by saying, Really, thanking publicly here through this episode, different people that have believed in us, people that have given keys or even the whole keychain to us, mm-hmm. even when perhaps we didn't deserve it, we had not shown much maturity, even when we failed later. But they believed in us. D- does anyone want to tell? I mean, Emily, you've already talked about a few, but
4: my pastor, I have to say, like, wow, um, he has been one of those person, like, really. He's like a father for me. I have to say he has been always vulnerable with me despite my weaknesses. Like he has always been in there pushing me and being with me all the time and giving me those little, little keys that has been helping me like so much. And all the time he's always there for me. And I just want to thank him for everything he has done. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Mention his name.
4: Edilio Valbuena.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Edilio, for being a keychain leader.
4: Um, For me,
2: I think about my college advisor, Ron Jackson, and Sharon Jackson, his wife. And before I even had a relationship with the Lord, they put me in a leadership position that required me to have a relationship with the Lord. (laughs) Um, They believed in the work that God was doing in my heart and in my soul enough to hand me a key. And it might have started off as the key that like, we're going to take this back if something because i wasn't in a place in life where i was seeking to learn leadership mm-hmm. but they didn't leave it there they walked with me to get me to the po- to the spot where they just handed me the keys and they literally handed me keys like i had an office and they gave me a keychain with a key on it but also just like i don't know i feel like i have permission to be truly myself in front of them and i don't need to um, pretend or be something that I'm not in front of them, which is great.
0: I think of, well, I mean, our, our first assignment when we were here, like we had no idea what we were doing in construction no, or, or how to, <laughs> how to manage teams. And yet you guys, Scott and Emily said, here you go, here's this. But I want I want to point out too, that it wasn't just like, Oh, here you go. We're done with this and we wash our hands with it. It was like, here's this, here's what we would like to see but how you get it done is up to you. Mm -hmm. And we had lots of questions. You guys were there to answer our questions still are. And I, I think that was just the biggest moment in my life. I think that I've seen that something of such importance was handed to us, but we weren't left alone with it. You know, like we, we always had you guys to fall back on and, and go to, and you guys, you know, guided us and trained us and led us. I think that's the difference between handing off a key and just like delegating something, you know. There's this training aspect. There's this mentorship aspect that I think is largely lacking in the church, especially from leader to leader.
1: Thanks for saying that. It even is interesting for me to see the steps, like obviously someone did that for us. And that person would be Carlos Roddy who received us in, I mean, we were so young here, you were talking about Dariana and Esteban and others. And we're like, we literally were regional coordinators when we were 26 years old, you know, and And um, had
3: no handle on the Spanish language and we were only serving Spanish people,
1: (laughs) but like Carlos Roddy, who is a missionary in Argentina and just a a good friend as well for that first year, man, Mm -hmm. we were alongside him. And I had to realize later, I didn't have to be exactly like Carlos. His personality is different than mine, but I learned from him. And I remember Emily, you and I recently were talking about this, how he, we had this missionary training semester. And he said, you guys are in charge of this workshop. And I was like, we don't even speak Spanish. And he's like, yeah, that's okay. Practice. And you'll be fine. And I, I honestly have, I know some of those people that, that, that were trained in that time and I've gone back to them and asked forgiveness. You know, I've just said, I am so sorry for our Spanish and for that. That was just so, it was difficult, but you know what? He believed in us enough to give us a, an important workshop, not a workshop, a throwaway workshop, a workshop on important cultural concepts, uh, different things. And, um, and we gave it, I mean, you know, we were able to do it. We did more than we thought we could a- a at that moment. And so, you know, that's a keychain leader. And now to hear you say, oh, now we're doing it for you guys. I mean, you guys are doing it for others. And so mm-hmm. that's the way Jesus intended it, you know?
3: Yeah. And I would like to thank um, Marty Hoskins, who is what we do in mobilization. He does it for the entire world. He did it for many, many years and he's uh, relinquished a few of his responsibilities in that regard, but he just believed in us as a couple and he trained us, but he always like gave us the materials that we needed to be successful, but he allowed us to do it our own way. And he allowed us to speak into situations. And um, it's honestly because of Marty that I am an ordained minister in the church of the Nazarene today because he just gave me that little bit of guidance that I needed at that point in time. And it wasn't even like a huge conversation or like a, a year long process. It was one 10 minute conversation, but God really used his leadership of saying, yes, I see that this is something God could be calling you to. And I would encourage you to continue to pursue it. And he's also a big reason why I love finders as much as I do. And he trained me to be a coach because he loves it so much. Mm-hmm. He wanted somebody else to love it so much and that we can continue that keychain. chain and and um, and the other thing that I immediately think of is he has trusted Scott and I for, three different events of uh, missionary kids coming from all over the world to participate in a one week experience. It's been 12 years. Over 12 years we've done it three times. But I just look at some of those things and I'm like why would you ever trust somebody to be in charge of 30 different kids coming from all over the world and just he literally is like I just trust what you guys are doing and here's the money that you need to do it and you just you put together the budgets and you make sure you get receipts in but you don't have to tell me your whole plan. I'm going to trust that the kids get picked up from the airport and I'm going to trust that they're fed and I'm going to trust that they get back to their homes. And, and I trust you to do all of that. And I think it's at points, it's like, Oh, you trust me to do all that. That could provoke a lot of anxiety, but he knew we weren't ready for that as 26 year olds. But then once we got to be like 33, actually it's probably around 32 that we first did the first one. He was like, yeah, you're ready. You're ready for that type of responsibility. So we didn't start. And I think that's one of the key concepts. So we didn't start with a huge responsibility like that when he first met us and he was first starting to know us. We started with smaller things, but the more that you started to earn trust, and that was one of these concepts. And I think the more that we see people that are earning trust in the small things and they fail, but they learn from their failure and they don't do it again and again and again, then that's when you start building up to these big things. And so I just really appreciate Marty for the confidence that he's placed in us to literally develop missionaries for the Church of the Nazarene from 32 different nations in Mesoamerica.
1: I went through this training with the Fuller Youth Institute with a young man from Dominican Republic named Esteban Juan, and he is the one that has written three different articles on this at transformtheglobe.com. If you'd like to read more from him, he's 21 years old, 21 now? 21, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. 21 young guy that just said i want to be a keychain leader and he wrote about it i invited him to write about it and he did a great job so look at that but also m where can they get a hold of us if they're listening to this and say i want to know more
3: yeah find us on facebook at the worthless servants podcast find us on www.mesoamericagenesis.org on the podcast tab or you can follow us on spotify
1: if you are listening to this our prayers that you would be that keychain leader if maybe you say but no one's really invested in me well I doubt that somebody has, even if it hasn't been f- intentional uh, or, or official, like this is my mentor, I know, and we, we've decided this. Someone has invested in you to get you where you are. And uh, now may you be that person for oh, an army of new children and youth and people that come, come behind you. Okay, I think I think that's a good word. So uh we are the worthless servants, and I'm Scott Armstrong.
3: I'm Natalie Franco. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Emily Armstrong and I'm Chelsea Fry.
0: And we'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at Mesoamericagenesis.org.